0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to talk to you today about how to keep your spiritual life sharp. I've been a Christ follower for a long time, and I know, as many of you may know, that there are seasons in life when our passion and our enthusiasm for Christ can either increase or decrease. And the question is, what can we do to stay spiritually sharp in those difficult and tough Times. I want you to open your Bible today to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. We're going to look at this biblical character named Elisha. We've been looking at him over the last few weeks. Elisha is a fascinating prophet of God. He performs more miracles than anybody else in the Bible besides Jesus. And literally, when you read the pages of Scripture about his life, it is miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But let's look together, if we we may, at 2 Kings chapter 6, because maybe you used to pray about some things and they really happened. Maybe in the past you used to talk with people about your faith, but today or more recently, eh, not so much. Maybe you used to have higher standards in your life, but those have been lowered quite a bit. Uh, Maybe you used to trust God more than you do today. Maybe you used to have more faith, or maybe you used to have more peace in your life, but Those things have since gone away. How can we come back to the cutting edge of our spiritual lives? What can we do to get back in that passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ? Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 6 beginning in verse 1. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Please notice the place where we live under your supervision. It's too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan where we can each get a log and build ourselves a place to live there. Go, he said. And then one said, Please, please come with your servants. I'll come, he answered. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Oh, my master! It was borrowed. And then the man of God asked, well, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, the man of God cut a piece of wood, threw it there, and made the iron float. And then he said, pick it up. So he reached out and took it. Wow, what a powerful story. When you read a story about an axe head that has flown off the handle into the river... You have to wonder, what does this have to do with my spiritual life? What does it have to do with my own experience? But you know, there's a message in every miracle in the Bible. And I believe that the reason that God has given us this miracle is because God wants us to stay spiritually sharp. And I want you to write this down today. Four ways that you can stay on the cutting edge ...of what God has for you. Now I tell you, I, got to, I love this miracle. Because earlier in the story of Elisha, he raises a dead boy who has died. And that's a pretty dramatic miracle. And you look at that and you think, wow, that's important, right? If, if, a, if a child dies and the parents are grieving, then of course the prophet would want to raise this boy from the dead. And that miracle makes a lot of sense. But the axe head is something that is totally different. It's a miracle about a missing tool. And yes, it's sad that it was borrowed, and yes, that it was lost, and he couldn't build the, the house he was going to build, and all that's true. But listen, let's be honest. This son of the prophet is going to live. He's going to be okay, even though he's lost his axe head. But Elisha still performs a miracle. And here's what I think the message in this miracle may be for us today. God cares about the big things in our life, like raising people from the dead, like feeding people, like taking care of people, but He also cares about the little things in our lives. God cares about the big things. God cares about the little things. And this seems, at least on the surface, to be a smaller miracle, but I don't want to diminish it because... Anytime a piece of iron begins to float, that is not natural, and that is miraculous. So let's look at this story, and let's see what spiritual principles that God has given to us to learn, because there is no, there's no story or no, no miracle in the Bible that is there by accident. God has a purpose for all of it. Now, Elisha was not just a traveling preacher and a miracle-working prophet. He was also the headmaster of a school. And he had several of these these schools called the Schools of the Prophets. And at different towns, there would be gatherings of young men that he would teach and instruct. And many times these young men lived together like in a dormitory where they would get taught about the things of God and prophetic ministry and they they would learn and grow about being a man of God. And you know, if you read the Old Testament, prophets and kings have a very interesting relationship. Prophets were always the advisors to the kings. And so they're being taught by Elisha. They were also taught by Elijah, the mentor of Elisha. Now, Elisha has a heart for young people. He has a heart for emerging leaders. He has a heart for the next generation. So he's training these young men, and he's got like a Bible college or like a like a seminary, or we might call it a, you know, a, a, a teaching school, where he teaches young men about the things of God. And the, the ministry has grown to the point that they need additional space. The dorm can't hold all the boys any longer. And so they come to the prophet and they're like, Hey, listen, we know we don't, there's no money, but could we just build a log cabin? Could we expand the dorm a little bit? Um, we got some more brothers in the School of the Prophets and we need some space. And the prophet says, of course, you can. And I could understand this because I know that a male dormitory can be one of the nastiest places on the planet to live. My freshman year at college, I lived in a dorm called Hubble Hall. And Hubble Hall was also nicknamed Rubble Hall. It was an old, 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 old dorm. And it smelled like dirty gym socks no matter where you went in the dorm. It didn't matter what floor you were on, what wing you were on. It constantly stunk. It was a dirty, filthy place. And I'll never forget my freshman year in college. My mom took me to the grocery store. We bought all this great food and snacks and all this. And a few days later, the ants had just infested all of it. It was just an ant-infested dormitory. So I could understand... Why the sons of the prophets would be eager to build some additional space to let the brothers kind of spread out a little bit and have some space and to learn and to grow. But they lose the axe head. And the axe head uh, represents spiritual power. Now, if the Spirit of God is not in our life, we are just a handle. We are just swinging... We're just swinging, but we have no power. We have no dynamic. We have no strength. We have no vitality. And that's what this young man was complaining about. The axe head had flown off, and therefore he could not take down the tree. Now a lot of people today, in their own spiritual life, are doing this. They are swinging, swinging, and swinging, but there is no strength. And there is no vitality. So what can we do to get back to the cutting edge? What can we do to get back to the things that God has purposed for us to do? Number one, we have to admit it. We have to admit that things have gotten dull in our spiritual life. We, we have to admit that we're not as strong as we used to be. Listen, when your spiritual life gets dull, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation but it can mean that you lose the joy of your salvation. The joy of it. And maybe you lose your happiness or your peace or your confidence or your closeness with God. Or maybe you just feel dry and empty on the inside. Whatever it may be. That, that's what 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 5 is referencing. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. It was a borrowed axe. And that axe represents power. Uh, You can't be saved if you don't admit that you are first of all lost. You can't deal with the problems of alcoholism unless you admit that you have a drinking problem. And we cannot make changes in our own spiritual life if we cannot admit where we are. So the first thing we have to do to get back on the cutting edge is we have to admit what has been lost, what is gone. We cannot make excuses for it. We cannot blame somebody else. We can't say, well, I deserve a break or I've already done my part or I'm kind of tired or I've done so much or, you know, when I was younger I did this but, and when I have more time I did that. No, 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 no. We cannot make excuses. We have to admit what has been lost. And we also can't pretend that we still have something that we don't. And as long as we are, are, are talking ourselves into believing that we have something that we really don't possess, we can't deal with the problem. And so the young man says to the prophet Elisha, The axe head is lost. There is no cutting edge. There, there is no sharpness. There, there, there is no force. There is no vitality. I can't build the cabin without the axe head. I'm wasting my time. What do I do? i got to first of all admit that there is a big problem. Last summer, <coughs> I was at youth camp with the teenagers, and I decided that I was going to play some basketball and there were some real cocky high school kids on the other team, and they were dividing up the teams, and they looked at me and saw that I was a little older than 18, and they said to the other team, y'all can have dad, and they were talking about me. So yeah, me, dad. So I thought, you know, I've never been called dad before, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna cram that ball down your throat, dad. And so uh, I hit a couple of shots, and The guys were kind of talking some trash, and then one of the small little guys on the other team was bringing the ball up the court, and he started to take a shot, and I saw the play coming, and I was like, I'm going to knock the ball into next week, and I jumped as high as I can to swat the shot, and all of a sudden, he dished the ball to pass it because he knew I was going to block it, and I came down, and I twisted my ankle, and I'm telling you, I had to go to the infirmary, and I limped around for three stinking months. And I finally came to the conclusion, I'm not 18, I'm not 19, I'm not even 20 years old. I had to admit it. So I tried to slow down just a little bit, (laughs) which is hard to do. But listen, you can't deal with reality. You can't deal with where you're at today spiritually if you cannot admit that something has been lost And when you admit that something has been lost, you can expect God's divine intervention. Now, how do we know that we've lost it? Well, we lose our fire. We lose our drive. We lose our enthusiasm. We we lose the joy. We we, we lose the, the excitement. We lose the love. When those things begin to ooze out of our life, we realize that we have truly lost Something that is needed. And then he says at the end of this verse, it was borrowed. You know, I mean, I was thinking about that this week. That, you know, in the Christian life, everything that we have is borrowed. Uh, The first Corinthians chapter 6 says that our body is not our own. It was bought with a price. In other words, our physical body belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. My physical possessions. Everything I own belongs to God. It's on loan to me. It's, 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 it's borrowed. It's borrowed. Well, everything that we have is, is God's ultimately. It's not mine. The Holy Spirit is borrowed. It is not I, but it is Christ that is in me. And we need to borrow the divine strength of God in our life. Now... Uh, It's interesting that these guys are preachers, but they're trying to become loggers, and maybe that's why they had such a difficult time building this cabin. If you ever see me swinging an axe, you need to be careful, okay, amen? You need to come over and take the axe out of my hand and say, Pastor, you know, preachers don't swing axes, And, and maybe that was the problem. But in the ancient world, actually, it wasn't that uncommon for an axe head to shoot off, because... They were generally tied on with some kind of twine or string. And it was very easy for the handle to dislodge from the iron. Iron was very expensive. It was very rare in the ancient world. And so to have, to have an iron axe head was a, was a real delight. It was a, it was a special deal. It was a privilege. It wasn't like people just rolled down to Home Depot and bought a new axe. Um, the, the, the sons of the prophets were probably very poor. They probably didn't have a lot of monetary uh, means. They didn't have a lot of money. And they had borrowed this from a friend. And there weren't that many of them, and now it's gone. And, and they're worried, and they're, they're obviously um, concerned about it. And it says, and the axe had sunk. I want to ask you today, what is sinking in your life? What is sinking in your life? What is sinking? Uh, When when things start to sink, that's when people begin to betray you. That's when people begin to question your integrity. That's when people begin to leave you. That's when people begin to run off. But when the axe head is up and strong, it's amazing how different our lives can be. But, But some of us have some areas of our life that are sinking, and we need to admit we need God's help. And when we admit it, then we begin to return to it. Look at the verse again there in verse 6. Then the man of God asked, look at this question. Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, the man of God cut a piece of wood, threw it there, and he made the iron float. But look at that question. Where did it fall? In other words, if we're going to find the missing axe head, we have to go to the place that it was lost. The greatest place to find what is lost is the place where you left it. The prophet says, let's go back there. Now show me here. Here's the Jordan River. Show me where, where did this thing go? And it's obvious that it was probably way out in the Jordan River. I mean, I kind of have in my mind that the son of the prophet was taking the axe and he was making a big strong swing and right at the apex of the swing, the axe had launched. It wasn't like it just went a few feet over in a bush. Man, it went out into the middle of the Jordan River and, and it, it, it was catapulted into a distance. And so he says, well, you know, it was about right there. And Elisha says, okay, well, if it's right there, let's see what we can do to retrieve it. But we got to return to the exact spot. Notice he doesn't say you're going to get the cutting edge back by going to a new spot. You get the cutting edge back by going to the same spot. To the exact spot. Where was it lost? The place of recovery is always the place of departure. So you got to get back to where you were before. Where were you before? When you had the cutting edge in your life, what were you doing? Some of us, we would get up early in the morning and we would pray. And we were on the cutting edge. Some of us were great Bible readers, but we we, we stopped reading the Scripture as much. We were serving in the ministry of the local church. You used to be the guy or the gal that used to show up early and stay late. Now you kind of come in late, sit in the back row and leave early. And you wonder, where did the cutting edge go? you got to get back You got to get back to what you used to do. You got to get back to to where you you used to be and to doing the things. You have to return to where you used to be and do the things that you used to do under the hand and leadership of God. You got to get back. You got to get back to that place. Go back and do that. That's how you get on the cutting edge. Now, I have a problem. I'm always losing my keys. I actually used to have a problem, if I can brag for a moment. I used to lose my keys all the time. And so Gina was always helping me. We were always searching through the entire house looking for keys, usually in the morning when I was trying to hit an appointment. And she bought this thing, and I know you probably can't see it from where you're at, but it's a tile. It's a little white square, and it's a little device. And whenever you lose your keys, you can go on an app on your phone, And you can push a button, and it'll set off an alarm, and you can track your keys down. And it'll tell you, you know, the vicinity of your keys, pretty close. There's also one in my wallet, and the wallet one is a little bit bigger. And if you're ever looking for your phone, you can activate the wallet. And if you hold this down just right, if I can do this, you can find your phone by the tile in your wallet by holding down the button and uh, it'll begin to ring. Can you hear that? So whenever you lose your wallet, you can go on your phone. And you can push the button and you can figure out where it is. And you can use the same app to find your wallet. You can use, your, use it to find your keys. You can use it to find your phone. But inevitably what I've discovered by using the Tile app is that usually I have to go back to where I started. And then I usually say, oh, that was so dumb. Why did I leave my keys there? But it's always right where I left them. Amen. The same is true in the spiritual realm. The same is true. Go back to where you were. Go back. Return to the things that you used to do. Get back to where you used to be. Uh, Don't be lazy. Maybe you've been slacking off lately. Return to where you were. Maybe you got hurt by somebody. Maybe you got distracted. Maybe you fell on some hard times. And yes, those things happen, but don't let those divert you from the plans and the purposes of God. You've got to get back to where God has called you to be. That's where it is. You know, there's been seasons in our church where we have gone back. We stopped doing certain programs or certain things or certain aspects of the church and then we've said to ourselves, why do we stop doing that? That was awesome. Our church was growing when we did that. Let's let's go back and let's do what we used to do. Let's return. Sometimes I talk to married couples and and sometimes I'll talk to couples and they'll sit down and you know the husband will say this is what's driving me crazy about my wife and the wife will say this is what's driving me crazy about my husband. And the conversation is all about what the marriage is not and what the family is not and all the frustrations come out. And I love to say this. Tell me why you first fell in love. Tell me why you guys got married in the first place. Why did you guys like each other so much in the past? Obviously something led you to get married. And, and the couple will sit there and, and she'll say, "Well, We used to talk. We used to converse. We used to spend time together. And then the husband will say, man, we used to do things together. We used to go places together. And it was so much fun. And then many times I'll say, why don't you guys start by just going back and doing what you used to do? Return, man. Go back. Go back. Go back to that moment when you fell in love. Go back to that moment when you were close to God. Go back, whatever it was, go back and do that thing. Don't worry about the other stuff. What do we do after we return to it? Well, the prophet models it for us. We have to believe it. There's never a doubt in the mind of the prophet Elisha that he's going to get the axe head back. Look at it in verse 6. Then the man of God asked, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, the man of God cut a piece of wood, threw it there, and made the iron float. So Elisha always believes that it's going to be returned. The cutting edge is coming back. I got some great news for you today. By the authority and the power of Jesus, if you will turn your life to God, you will get it back. You can be as close to God as you choose to be. Don't believe for one moment that God won't fill your heart and life With wisdom and truth. Can God really do that? Can God put grace and mercy in my life? Absolutely He can. Can I be close to God? Can I be blessed by God? Can I be anointed by God? Can I be strengthened and empowered by God? Absolutely you can be. Absolutely you can be. we got to expect God... To give back to us what was stolen or what was lost. Don't believe for one second because that, that that can't happen. Because God specializes in, the, in impossible recoveries. And you've lost your cutting edge. You're trying to cut down that tree with a dull blade. And no wonder you're so tired. You've got to believe it. Are you sinking like the axe head? Like it was before? Or are you Swimming? Like the axe head after the prophet Elisha throws the stick in the water. Are you sinking? Are you swimming? What are you doing? Well, finally, we have to take it. Look at verse 7. And then he said, pick it up. So he reached out and he took it. And I love this last part of this, of this story because <laughs> the God who did this miracle, the, 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 the God that raised, that, that, that made the axe head swim could have launched that thing right back onto the handle. I suppose God could have super glued it. He could have stuck it there. But God raised it. And then the prophet said to the son of the prophet, reach out and take it. I think this is a picture of how God does so many miraculous things in our lives. There's things that God does, there's things that we do. For example, in the life of Elisha, we looked at this not too long ago. God supernaturally provides oil, but he tells the woman, the widow that's about to lose her children, go gather all the vessels. You gather the vessels, I'll bring the oil. Earlier in the ministry of Elisha, some kings, their armies are about to die, they don't have any water. They come to Elisha, and they're like, man, we don't know what to do. And Elisha says, listen, if you guys will dig the ditches, God will send the rain. Amen? And I think that's a picture of what's going on here with the axe head. God makes it float, but the son of the prophet has to reach in and to take it. That's what we have to do. We, we, We have to take it, man. We have to take it back. Only God can make it rise, but when God makes it rise, boy, we got to snatch it. we got to admit it. We got to return to it. We got to believe it. We got to take it. And when that happens, we begin to get the cutting edge back and we begin to start chopping. We begin to start chopping at an unbelief. We begin to start chopping at the sin in our life. We begin to start chopping at the belief that we could never accomplish the plans and the purposes of God. We begin to chop at old attitudes that are. That are holding us back from reaching our potential that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's why today is so important for us to get back on the cutting edge of everything that God wants us to do. We got to start chopping. We got to admit it. We got to return to it. We got to believe it. And we got to recover it. And that's God's heart. In God's plan and purpose for your life today. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Would you just bow your heart and bow your head and let's pray?